hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. There's nothing like a little child reciting the Lord's Prayer, is there? It is just so precious and so sweet. I want to thank the birds for allowing me the opportunity to share uh, Grace uh, saying the Lord's Prayer. They sent me that a, a while ago. And when I, we started this series, I, I wanted to share it, and I asked them if it was okay if I uh, pulled that out of what they sent me, and they said absolutely. So, uh, Chris and Carrie, thank you so much for allowing that opportunity. I want to say something else about uh, Grace. If, if you are, uh, try not to get choked up here, if you don't know Grace's story, she had a childhood leukemia, and it was very, very uh, serious, and I know that Chris and Carrie and uh, Thomas and Elizabeth, they, uh, they, they went through a lot for, for a long, long time. And uh, I, I saw recently them celebrating that Grace is three years in remission. So that is awesome. And I wanted to bring that up also because September uh, is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So uh, if, if, if you know of people, um, <clears throat> please continue to support those who are, are, are dealing with uh, this horrific uh, deal. So that just makes even that telling of the Lord's Prayer just e- even more special uh, to me to, uh, to be able to hear that. I don't know why that was open. That was weird. Anyhow, would you please go to God in prayer with me? Oh, God, we are thankful that we can come to you. We're thankful that we have these words, this, this prayer to, to guide us and to lead us, and it doesn't matter how old we are. If we're young, if, if we are seniors, if we are just uh, mulling around the world wherever, we have the opportunity to, to have this prayer to guide us and to connect us, to let us feel closer to you. So, Lord, as we continue in this message, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So, last week we uh, started this series talking about the importance of this prayer 
and I shared how this prayer was important to me. And I had so many people reach out to me after uh, Sunday, and, and they told me how this prayer helped them through difficult times in their lives. When they didn't have words to say uh, that from their, their own words, they knew that, that if they prayed this prayer, it wasn't like anything magical happened. But it was the opportunity for them to feel God's presence in their lives right then and right there. So, so we're going to continue to take a look at this scripture, at, at, at this prayer, because it is so important for each and every one of us to know. And, and I could tell you, sermon preparation is hard, but it is really hard when you have something as powerful as the Lord's Prayer. I could probably spend a, a, a sermon on every two words in this particular prayer because while it is a simple prayer that, that even a, a little child can memorize it, what goes into this prayer and the words that Jesus gives us that we live out in our lives means so much. So our scripture for this morning is going to be very, very short. It is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, part B. We heard part A last week, but then when Jesus says, pray this way, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, this opening address can, can open up so many discussions. But, but I think for us to, to start out, we're going to really concentrate on the word our. So I, I can do a whole sermon on just the word our. But, but the important thing about the word our, it reminds us and it establishes a relationship with us and the world. Not, not just the world that we live in right here, but it helps establish a relationship for those who have prayed this prayer ages past. And once we leave this world, that prayer will be continued to be prayed for those that come behind us. You know, we, don't, we, we love to focus on the fact that, that we should have a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's important. That, that, that's, that's extremely important. But if we hold our, our faith to just my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we miss the point. It's like what uh, Rick Warren at the Saddleback Church, whenever he wrote this very popular book called The Purpose Driven Life, the very first sentence in the book, does anybody know it? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about us. And this is something that is played out throughout all 
of Scripture. We go to uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, when, when, when God is getting ready to take the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, He says, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. See, it's, it's not a singular thing. He didn't say, Moses, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. No, I am taking my people out and, and I will be your God. If we go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, 1 Peter, Peter writes this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, those words are not individualist words. They talk about how we are all of this together. We are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I love this last part of the scripture. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. See, there's no you in this. It's us. It is us gathering together and working together to, to build God's kingdom here on earth. Even the founder of the United Methodist Church, John Wesley, when he wrote this preface to the 1930, I'm sorry, the 1739 edition of the hymns and sacred uh, poems, he wrote these words. Directly opposite to this is the gospel of Christ. Solitary religion is not to be found there. Holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. You catch that? The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. Unfortunately, uh, now this, this, this passage can be uh, taken where it talks about that we should be uh, firmly involved with social justice, and that's all that it is all about. But that's not what Wesley was saying. What Wesley is saying is that there is no such thing as an individual person in life with Jesus Christ. We're, we're in this together. We are a part of this side by side. That's why it breaks my heart when I see all of the division that is around us and the division that is happening within the church. It's because we have this attitude, we have this mindset that, well, I'm right and, and they're wrong, so this is the way that it has to be. No. Scripture continues to tell us that we are in this together. That's why we pray our Father, not, not my Father. Our reminds us that we're not alone in this, that we have each and every one of us to hold each other in this journey we call life. The second thing that we learn from the opening phrase of this prayer is that it opens a door to intimacy and trust. It's not our God. It's not our Redeemer. It's not our Creator. It is our Father. 
when, when the Jews would pray in the synagogue. They had, they had many different ways that they would address who God is. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. They would say God of our fathers. Other addresses include blessed one, holy one, redeemer of Israel. And there's nothing wrong about, about saying these things about God because they're all true. But what Jesus wanted to do, he, he wanted to break this barrier between us and God. So he, he uses the term our father to affirm a vision of a family of faith that went beyond the community of those who claimed a racial tie to Abraham. And he says, our Father, because it unites those all around the world. So all the Jews, all the Gentiles can then affirm God equally. Paul talks about this in in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, where he writes, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, see, Paul is, is reminding us that, that we're not separate and that, that God is not just the God of the Jews. God is the God of us all. God is, is now that we have this, this way to be in relationship with him, to have this intimacy and trust that each and every one of us can go to God ourselves and stand before his throne. But I know that there are problems with this, that that people do have problems every single time that we pray our Father. I hear people say, well, you know, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. My dad was horrible. And, And I understand that, and my heart absolutely breaks But see, Jesus doesn't use the term father to describe fathers as he knows it, or we don't use the term father as to describe fathers that we know them, but rather he is creating a new image that he intended to use as a model for God. He's giving us this picture to say, this is the standard. You on earth, you are not the standard, the one who created the entire universe, the one who created each and every one of us, that is the standard. And the standard that he gives us is an amazing standard. All we have to do is look at one of the most common parables that that most people know, and that is the story of the prodigal son. You may be familiar with that parable, where, where a son takes off it and he goes and he, he leaves the entire family and he squanders all of, his, all of his money, all of his inheritance, and he realizes that he may just come back and just be a good servant for his dad. But when the dad sees the come son running down the road, he takes off. He doesn't wait. He's not sitting there with his arms crossed, tapping his foot, waiting for the son to come up to the front door. He takes off and he runs to the sun and grabs him into his arms and throws a magnificent feast because once my son was lost, 
But now my son is found. Let me put it this way. Once my child was lost, but now my child has been found. See, if we take away this imagery, we lose the whole picture of who God is. Now, now, there are lots of images in Scripture that talks about God being mothering. Like Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13, where Isaiah writes, As a mother comforts her child, so will I, God, comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And then in the New Testament, 1 John 3, 9 John writes, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. And they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. I don't know about you. I don't think there's a single guy on the planet ever before or ever will be that will be able to give birth. That is a mothering statement that we are born of God. And then this has to be my favorite one. From Hosea chapter 13, verse 8, like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. That story about the mother bear, how you don't want to cross the mother bear. Knowing that, that God cares for us so much, and like a mother bear, he will attack and rip open those who harm his children. See, this is all about relationship. It is not about male or female. It is about how God is open to each and every one of us, and we embrace that relationship. Finally, the last part that we're going to cover is how he talks about our Father in heaven. You know, growing up, I always had images of heaven being this, this really far away place, that, that one day when we die, we'll, we'll all go there, and, and that was the only image that I had of heaven. But that's not what the Jewish understanding of what heaven is. The, the Jewish understanding, which is the understanding that Jesus had of heaven and what his disciples had of heaven, was that God is not tucked away in, in a far away place. But God is right here with us. The, the, the heavens are around us right now, and, and we, we enjoy the fact that, that our God is not just this faraway God that we pray to, but we have this full relationship with God right here and right now. Once we get further into the words of the Lord's Prayer, we'll see that come into fruition. But my favorite words that helps remind us of that are the words that I said in our prayer earlier and words that I echo time and time again, that we are ones in whom Christ dwells and delights. And we live in God's unshakable kingdom. And God's kingdom is never in trouble so neither are we. Remember the first time I heard James Bryant Smith say those words, it just, it just rung in my heart 
to know that, that we are beloved by God. And that's what the Lord's Prayer is telling us, that God our Father loves us deeply and passionately so that we can experience a life full in God's grace. I hope you had an opportunity to practice the spiritual practice last week. If that's something that, that sticks with you, continue to do that. Just take times, three times a day, just to set your alarm and just to say the Lord's Prayer. Continuing to say the Lord's Prayer as you wash our hands. But here's something else that we'll add, and I have this uh, on our Facebook page. It'll, it'll pop up uh, later today. Take time to pray through the Lord's Prayer, stopping and reflecting on the lines in a positive sense. For example, our Father, how has God shown His love to you today? How has He been relational with you who art in heaven? Acknowledge His trans trans transcendence. Relate to this first line, praise the creation that is all around you. you know, uh, we, I was outside having lunch a couple of days ago, and I was sitting next to one of our, our trees in our backyard. And, and while I was sitting there, I looked up, and there was a squirrel staring right at me. And I was really, really close, and I took a picture of the squirrel, and the squirrel came down a little bit more, I took another picture, and, took another, and I just sat there, and I just thanked, praise God for that. It was just such a beautiful, I mean, we were not that far away from each other, but that was just an opportunity to, to give praise to God for, for that moment being in God's creation. And then, hallowed be thy name. Say what God's name means to you. How have you seen God's name work in power in your life? And then move on through the rest of the prayer, just thinking about the positive ways that God's love and grace has impacted you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. My hope and my prayer is that as we continue to, to understand this prayer, that it opens our hearts and our minds to receive the, God, the grace that God has for each and every one of us. That when we pray that prayer from here on out, we pray it with power. We pray it with authority that God is here and now. And we continue to grow in God's ever-loving grace. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Such beautiful words, such words that, that connect us to you, that connects us to one another. Lord, we don't want to live our lives as holy solitaries. We don't want to live our lives where we are separate from one another. Help us to connect. Help us to grow. Help us to, to share the love and grace that you have given each one of us in a powerful and transcendent ways so that your name may be praised.
And we pray all of this in the name of the one who loves us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.